0: Welcome to my hearth, another episode in the Creative Storytelling Podcast. Okay, we've been doing a whole sequence of talks about the Greeks and the origins of storytelling that they created. And we were looking at the story of Oedipus. This is someone who, because he doesn't have all the information, he does all the wrong things. Now, it's really interesting this because. What the Greeks decide uh, is, in the terms of their relationship with the gods, is that ignorance is no excuse when you've committed a crime. You you can't use that as a defence. I did not know what I was doing because I did not have all the information. And that's very interesting as a storytelling concept that just because you didn't know what was going on, you can't use that as a way out of it. I was, you're not innocent in that sense. You're ignorant. You do not know. You know you, you make foolish errors and all kinds of things can happen as a result of not knowing the information. And you can blame the people who did not tell you and ironically, of course, the fact that the king and the queen of Thebes don't tell him who he is, but send him away, you know, they don't kill him, they expose him, you know. Again, what they should have done, in very again, a very Greek thing, what they should have done is kill the child. Yeah? They then have to deal with the consequences of killing your child. But ironically, a dramatic irony it comes back on them, and you know, what they feared, it comes back on them again. A storytelling device: you're frightened of something, and as a result of your inactivity, that frightening thing happens, you know, and the circumstances fall on your head. In that sense, so what's Oedipus going to do? He's blinded himself. Uh, he takes. Um, a decision to try and do a a trial, just like um, Orestes did. You know, I I want to find out if I can, you know, what I have done. But in fact, in this case, he does not get away with it. You know, he he suffers greatly um, from the guilt uh, and the... Self loathing that comes from his actions. What's going to happen to Thebes? Well, he's got two sons, you know, and they decide to fight each other for the right to be king. Now, this in itself is going to cause a problem because they do fight each other and one kills the other. Uh, It's one of those very strong Greek things that, in a battle, both contestants die. It's, It's a very Greek storytelling thing to happen. But, from the gods' point of view, whichever one should have been king has then been murdered by the other one. And that's regicide, that's the killing of a king, and it has big consequences. So the children's uncle, Crayon, decrees that one of them is the rightful king and the other one has killed the king and his punishment, the murderer's punishment is that he will not be buried. He will be left, the body will be left again to the mercy of wild beasts and as a result his spirit will not be settled in the underworld, but the punishment is it will walk the earth as it were as a ghost or suffer in hell. That's very, very difficult. You know, without a proper burial you know, and all the rites being spoken over a, a corpse, they do not have peace in the afterlife. Now, the boy's sister, Antigone... Can't bear this. The fact that both her brothers are dead is pretty bad. The fact that she's just found out that her dad was really her brother, you know, is very, very shocking to her. But what she wants is a proper burial. She says it's unfair. And although she shouldn't do it, she buries... The murdered, um, she buries the brother who was accused of the murder. And that of itself means that she's gone against what the king decrees, and she herself has to be punished. You know, various people have tried to persuade her not to do the burial, you know. And again, this is a great storytelling device. This is very, very important. How there's various kinds of emotional blackmail put on her. Um, you know, people using love, people using what's going to happen to her, all kinds of things. An argument to why you should not do this. Right. So we've told you not to do it you want to do it, we then persuade you or try to persuade you not to do it. We continue to argue with you that. And there are some great stories, novels, plays, based on that whole idea of arguing with someone who is going to do a crime, not to do it because of the consequences. I don't know whether this is in a, the line of be careful what you wish for, because she's more than wishing for it, she's actually going to act upon it. But it forms the basis of so many stories and it allows you know, great scenes of human interaction. Yeah, and that interaction is going to be very powerful because again we're going to ask the question of ourselves as an as an audience or a listener or a viewer yeah you know, if that was me on either side what would i do you know and all the arguments are very strong you know both the brothers are already dead yeah you know, you're not going to bring them back to life by doing an illegal burial you know, it's hard enough to deal with the fact that they're both dead. But, you know, from Antigone's point of view, it's not the fact that they're dead, it's the fact that one is being buried and one isn't. So there are issues of balance and fairness in this. You know, it's not justifiable to choose one over the other. It's not a human thing to do, to choose one brother over the other. And she cannot bear it. If one is being buried, the other should be buried. It's bad enough that they've killed each other. And again, she could appeal to the gods in this particular case, but the decree has been made by the king. So she feels justified in what she's doing. She thinks that what she is doing is the right thing. Here's another good example of that kind of storytelling. There's a marvellous play by Robert Bolt called A Man for All Seasons, which deals with um, Henry VIII wanting to divorce his wife, Catherine of Aragon, and marry Anne Boleyn. And the Chancellor, uh, Sir Thomas More does not agree with this, and will not agree with the legal process which is allowing that to happen. Now, Henry VIII has said, everyone has to agree to this legal process. You are the Chancellor, you of all people should agree to it. And Sir Thomas More's argument is, my conscience tells me that you are married... To your first wife, and you cannot divorce her when you've been married to her, had a child with her, you know, you've been married for 20 years, and you can't suddenly throw her off, you know, because you've decided to do it. Henry VIII's argument is she has not borne me um, a son. You know, therefore, there must be something wrong with our marriage. You know, in the Bible it says, you know, a man should not marry his brother's widow, which is what she was. Um, their argument on her side is that uh, the marriage was never consummated, and so it wasn't a real marriage. However, you know, the arguments goes backwards and forwards and all of Sir Thomas More's family, you yeah, know, his wife, his son, his daughter, all try and persuade him not to go against the king, yeah, to be quiet, you yeah, know, just to do as he's told and to do it. But the idea of conscience, you yeah, know, my conscience says I cannot do this comes into play and he will not do it and as as a result there are tremendous consequences for him and in fact he is beheaded and becomes a, a saint and a martyr in the process now for antigone that's the same thing her conscience tells her her brother should be buried and i suppose um It doesn't matter what argument she's given, she feels she is right, even though she knows there's going to be consequences. It f- feels, doesn't it, that the whole of their particular house um, has been cursed, and the curse has to work itself out. And the curse came from one basic action You know, down the spiritual line, yeah which is you should have done one thing and you didn't do it therefore there are consequences there's an action and a reaction you went against the warning of the gods and you didn't do it therefore that's going to cause your house not just for you but for your children to suffer and go through, you know, and big things happen. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that in all these stories, we're talking about big things. We're talking about murders. We're talking about incest. Yeah, we're talking about people blinding themselves. These are not little things, but these things can be extrapolated and brought out to a more uh, mundane level. just in the idea of following the precepts of I'm supposed to do something and I don't do it or if I do this thing there are consequences. And for the Greeks the whole idea of a dilemma is for people to ask the question what would you do? What would you do if you found out that you know this has happened, even though you had no control over it. You didn't know about it. Um, there are loads of stories in people's own families of people where there was a secret kept and you didn't know about it. Very, quite a few people who um, discovered, especially around times of war and things like that, that who they thought were their parents were not their parents. And that had been kept as a family secret, you know. Um, And we're going to come to these specific ideas of storytelling at other times. So anyway, there's two big examples of Greek storytelling that we've looked at. We've looked at uh, the story of Agamemnon, a story where you know what you've got to do, even though what you do will then have consequences and the story of Oedipus, where there is someone who doesn't have all the information, and as a result, the actions that they are taking are not correct. Good. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and I hope it's proved useful to you uh, in understanding stories, and in perhaps deciding to create your own.